Well, today I've got to start off with a great big apology. I need to apologize to Joanne Prince and James Dixon. I was supposed to announce them as new members of our church this past Sunday, and somehow it just completely, I just completely blew it. I blew it by not doing it. And so I feel really bad about that. So my sincerest apologies to Joanne and to James. Uh, by God's grace, I will recognize you this coming Sunday, October the 29th, and I'll look forward to doing it then. This is your Midweek Connection, Wednesday, October the 25th, 2023. Well, you know, as it relates to those apologies, some things, sometimes things just do not go as you planned. But what I've discovered over the years is those blunders, uh, they, they, they tend to keep you humble. <laughs> That's certainly true uh, with me. Okay, well, here are this week's announcements. Number one, Operation Christmas Child is off and running. And I know that you're excited about using this as an opportunity to bring the gospel to many who otherwise do not have access to it. Our goal this year is 500 shoeboxes, and the deadline to bring them in is Sunday, November the 12th. And on that day, we will collect them, we will have prayer over them, and we will send them out. Now, if you didn't get your shoebox this last Sunday, uh, be sure to grab one this Sunday as you gather for worship. Now, if you have questions, you can contact Miss Tracy or Miss Laura or Miss Jessica or Mary Tesser on Sunday. They'll be around uh, the, uh, the building. Number two, Family Worship Sunday. You know, each month of the year that has a fifth Sunday, we set that aside for the entire family to come together to worship. Now, this Sunday is the fifth Sunday, and I'm excited about the encouraging elements that are going to be part of our gathering. We have five families who are going to share their parent-child dedication testimonies, and then we're going to have an opportunity as a church to pray over them for God's grace as they raise their children in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our children will be with us, and they will share a special song. And then Pastor Brett is going to bring a message from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, to encourage parents and grandparents in their role to raise godly children. You know, we're uh, dedicating these children, parents are, and uh, so Brett's going to kind of speak to what's that all about? What are these parents promising to do? And how does this really apply to the kids, and how does that work out in a practical way? I know it's going to be a great message. Now, originally, I had planned to present uh, the next letter that Jesus sent to the churches of Asia, uh, the church of Thyatira. I was going to present that this coming Sunday, but, you know, as I looked at it and I thought about the children, it 
you know, it was just a little risky with so many little ears in the worship center. There's just some things there that if I talk about them with any depth are really probably not appropriate for the kids. And so uh, we're having this special uh, uh, message from Brett this Sunday, and then next Sunday I'll return again to Revelation and I'll pick up there with the church of uh, Thyatira, Sunday, November the 5th. And finally, there is a women's apologetic conference that is coming to our region, and some of our ladies are planning to attend. It's called Faithful Foundations, and it's going to be held on Saturday, November the 12th in St. Joseph, Missouri. Now, as I said, several of our ladies are already committed to go, uh, and they're going to take our church van and other vehicles as needed. Now, if you would like to go and be part of that, uh, the deadline to register is Friday, November the 3rd, and you can register through uh, the Friday email blast. The cost is $15, and if you have questions about the conference, you can address those questions to Bertie Harms, and her email has been there on the screen. Okay, well, those are the announcements for this week. Let's turn our attention now to questions for the pastor. Today's question for the pastor comes from an attender who wants to know what the Bible says about apostles, prophets, and prophetic revelations, also known as prophetic words. The question is, are the office of apostle and prophet still in effect, or have those offices of ministry ceased? And what about prophetic words? Does God still give prophetic revelations to his people? Well, honestly, I would need to do a sermon series, an entire sermon series, to give a full treatment on the topic. But we really don't have the opportunity to do that now. So I'm going to respond to the question, but I'm going to do it in a briefer way uh, rather than a full A to Z response. So. Here's my response to the question. Let's begin with some definitions. First of all, prophecy. Prophecy comes in two forms. Number one, prophecy in the form of foretelling, which is all about bringing a message from God that provides teaching, guidance, or announcements about things that are yet future without the aid of God's message already being revealed as it is in the Bible. Now, an example of that would be Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, Isaiah 53 is a prophetic message that God gave to his prophet Isaiah about the Messiah and his redemptive work that would see him despised, rejected, bearing our griefs and sorrows, in other words, bearing our sins. Uh, this prophetic message was given to Isaiah 700 years before the Messiah, that is Jesus, was even revealed. And so, in this context, when Isaiah received this and then recorded it, he was foretelling something that had never been revealed uh, that was going to happen in the future. Now, number two, then, there is prophecy in the form of forth-telling, which is bringing a message from God that provides teaching, guidance, and or announcements based on God's Word that has already been revealed. Now, each Sunday, 
as I bring a sermon from a portion of God's Word, that's what I'm doing. I'm forth-telling God's message. Uh, let's just take the book of Revelation, for example. Now, I can forth-tell of things that are yet to be, not because God revealed it to me in a supernatural way, like He did Isaiah, but because His Word has already been revealed, and it tells us of things that are yet to come. Now, I still have to study I have the revealed Word. I have to rely on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, both to understand the Scripture and to deliver God's message. And in that sense, I am prophesying. But I'm not doing it in the same manner in which Isaiah did. So, when I preach a sermon, I am prophesying. I am bringing forward the Word of God that has already been revealed in His Holy Scripture, the Bible. Now, those are the definition of, of two aspects of prophecy. But there's also this thing called the office of prophet. The office of prophet is someone specifically selected by God to be his messenger of things not yet revealed, but to be revealed through him. In other words, God chose him to make the revelation known to the rest of us. Now, those men who were in the office of prophet would be like Isaiah and Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Obadiah, Daniel, Moses, Malachi, Zephaniah, and, and there are many, many others uh, that held the office of prophet. These were men whom God called to fill an office, a responsibility of prophet at various times in the past. Now, it's believed by some that John the Baptist was the last of these types of prophets. Although, if we count Jesus, who was more than a prophet, but nonetheless was a prophet, we could say then that they were the last of this kind of prophet. That said then, the era of foretelling prophets ended with the close of the dispensation of law, which came to a close upon the death of Jesus and his resurrection to new life and also his ascension back to heaven. And so that is when the era of law came to a close and a new era began. Now, this is something that's really important. It's an important piece of information as we navigate the plethora of men and women who today claim to hold the office of prophet in the sense of foretelling prophets. The test of a true or false prophet in Scripture, catch this, is 100% accuracy. That's right. If even one prophetic utterance failed to come true, that person was to be considered a false prophet and put to death. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 through 22, Yahweh is the one speaking, and he says this, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken, or how would we know that a prophet is false? 
Verse 22, you will know that when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, falsely. You need not be afraid of him. So when you encounter any of the modern-day self-proclaimed prophets who say they fill the office of a biblical prophet, my advice is just take a look at their track record. If they speak even one word, one word that does not prove to be true, they are a false prophet. They do not speak for the Lord. You ask, well, pastor, okay, what about the gift of prophecy, though, that is listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12? Well, yes, that gift is in effect. It is the gift of proclaiming the revealed Word of God. It's not foretelling, but the gift of forthtelling. Again, Pastor Adam and Brett, myself, and, and there are others in our church body have that gift. It's not the office of prophet, but the gift of proclaiming the revealed Word of God. And, and the test of one operating in the gift of that prophecy is this. Are they being true to the Word of God revealed in Scripture? If they are, then they are likely operating in that gift. If they are not, then they're either mistaken and need to be corrected, or they're flat out um, not operating in that gift. So, the gift of prophecy. So, what about then the idea of prophetic words? Can people receive a prophetic revelation from God to share with others? Well, that's a tricky question. Let me answer it this way by saying, I believe they can, but not, it's not the same as the prophetic words received by those who were filling the office of prophet. Uh, prophetic words in today's context, I believe, are more like spiritual insights that God gives in a particular situation. In my counseling ministry, I, have, I believe I've received such insights that are given by the Holy Spirit and meant for me to communicate to the individual I'm counseling. But listen carefully. Those insights, as fresh as they may be to me or even to the person that I'm sharing them with, those insights are nonetheless based on the revealed Word of God that I have already studied. And any of such insights will never, never, ever, ever go against what has already been revealed in Scripture. So, receiving a prophetic word, I would say, is more, in these days, is more akin to receiving spiritual insight about a person or a situation that is based on what God has already given in His Word. Okay, finally, we come to the uh, apostles. Uh, where do they fit into this issue? Well, first, apostleship is also an office just like that of prophet. Uh, now, there were no uh, men uh, serving in apostolic office in the Old Testament because that was the time of the prophets. 
the apostolic office began with the disciples of Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, uh, give us some insight into that. Verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, that is Jesus, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples, and this is a reference to more than just the original twelve, and he chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, although Judas Iscariot is named here as an apostle, he did disqualify himself through his betrayal of Jesus and his subsequent suicide. So it is these men, the eleven that are left, plus the apostle Paul, who became an apostle to fill Judas's vacant office, 1 Corinthians 15.8, these were men whom Jesus called, he called them to this office. And they were men that he personally discipled, although Jesus discipled Paul in a supernatural way in that he was already ascended to heaven. And these are men who were commissioned then with building the foundations of what has become known as the age of the church, the age of Gentiles, the age of grace. They were sent to preach the gospel, to plant churches. They were used to write New Testament scripture. They were given power to perform miracles. They were, in fact, a very special lot. It is my belief that with the last of these apostles to die, the Apostle John, who wrote Revelation, it is with him that the office of apostle then ceased. They had done their job. They had laid the foundation for the Christian faith through the scriptures that they had authored, through the churches they had planted, through the men and women that they had initially discipled. So that's what I believe is true about the uh, apostles. So in summary, the office of prophet for tellers has ceased with John the Baptist and Jesus. The gift of prophecy for tellers is the prophetic gift that is now in play. Prophetic words, I believe, are better understood as spiritual insights based on God's Word and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And the office of apostle has ceased as the canon of Scripture is complete now. The church has been fully established and there is no Scripture defining a calling of an apostle beyond the original ones, nor are there any qualifications listed for them as are those for elder, pastor, and deacon. All right, well, there you have it. In just a few minutes, uh, my thoughts uh, and my response to the question that was asked about those issues. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you for your word that guides us and shows us what is true and what is false. And Lord, there are many who do not study your word, nor do they really teach your word, and they go off in all kinds of tangents and claim all kinds of things that I think hurt the body of Christ and hurt people who are trying to find the truth. Uh, Lord, uh, may they be discovered for what they are.
But, Lord, for those of us who truly are desiring to follow you and trying to follow you, uh, striving to follow you, may we grow in our ability to do that, and may we grow in the spiritual giftings that you give us, and may we represent your word uh, faithfully and true, and may we um, operate within the gifts that you give us for your glory and for the benefit of others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Sunday's gathering, as I said before, is our Family Worship Sunday. And we have, again, five parent-child dedications, a special song from our children, and a special message of family discipleship from Pastor Brett. It promises to be a blessed day. Until then, God bless you, and you have a great week.